sharing here with our team. And with your dad, who uh, his opening comment will be, uh, there'll be a, a price to pay. I'm pretty sure that straight after the meeting, uh, there will be a talking to from the daughter. Uh, in saying that, we do have some young men here in the church that we can help you with. I, I just want to, this morning, just before I just share some thoughts, um, you know, I, I saw Alan and Marilyn come in this morning, Thompson, and they've just come back from a cruise, uh, their first cruise, and they've been planning this for years and years and years, and you look younger, and you look like you've just gone on your second honeymoon. So would you stand for me, and we just want to honour you, great people in our church, and so good that you've enjoyed yourselves and uh, you're faithful people and God has been faithful to you, which is absolutely fantastic. My wife and I have just come back from Singapore. We've been there for 10 days speaking at a church and at a conference and unfortunately Meredith couldn't make it this morning. She's the one that's sick this morning and uh, she's not doing too well, but she loves Christmas, and she so wanted to be here, uh, particularly to help with the kids, so she sends her apologies. Um, but we had an incredible time in Singapore. The church over there uh, invited us to come through a long connection we had with one of the members there. We were amazed uh, what God has done, and uh, the amazing thing is that they've asked us to help them as a church, and so in about June, I'll be sending Charles and Mason, our youth pastor from our Victory Church there, to do their youth camp. And also because the, uh, the senior pastor is transitioning his church to his son. And I really felt it was important that his son just had someone to mentor him. And, uh, you know, Charles also being our campus pastor here and he himself being in transition, I thought would really, really help. So that's going to be great. We will be sending some of our other team. They're also sending a group of their young adults, can you believe this, uh, to our History Makers Youth Conference. And so we are just so blessed. I was just amazed at the amazing just touch of God in um, using us. But the trip did not start that well. Um, you know, I seem to have this thing about airports. And I don't know why it is, but every time I go to an airport, something seems to go wrong. So, you know, I planned everything. I made sure we had our seats booked. We, we had, you know, prepared everything. I get to the airport. I'm really confident. And uh, I go to book in and, uh, you know, I give my passport over and my wife gives her passport over. The attendant says, just hang on a minute. He takes my passport and uh, goes off to talk to Superior. And I'm thinking... I wonder what's wrong, you know, maybe he just doesn't recognise the photo on the passport, you know, I know I've changed a bit, and comes back and said, sorry sir, you cannot fly out with this passport. I said, what are you talking about? It's, you know, it, it, it's got all, it's, what, what's wrong with it? He says, well, the law is that to fly out to another country, you have to have your passport, has to be six months uh, in its... Um, documentation, you can't fly, yours is five months out and then you'll have to get a new passport. I said, but who, who made that law? And you, know, and, you know, I felt so angry. How many of you have ever felt angry? And I felt, what? And he said, sorry, there's no way you're flying out today. And all of a sudden, fear just began to flood my mind. I thought, what am I going to do? I'm booked in to speak at this conference. We've got all sorts of things booked and this has just gone wrong. And then I all of a sudden remembered that I'm a dual citizen, 
thank God for Italy. That's all I'm going to say. I'm a dual citizen, and I remembered my Italian passport. I knew it would come in handy one day. And I said, look, I think I've got 10 months on that. If I can get that passport here, can, can, we, can we go through? Yes, he said, you can, but you've got half an hour. And I'm thinking, how am I going to do this? So I rang up Charles and said, Charles, we need a miracle. <laughs> there he is, the miracle. And you thought Jesus was sent to us. No, Charles. And uh, off he, he got Geordie and, you know, off they went. And I said, whatever you do, try not to get a speeding ticket. So they rushed off. I told him where the passport was. I said, you need to go in there. It's a maroon-looking passport, the colour of that. So I said, well, as soon as you get there, the first thing you need to do is open it up and you need to check the date. I think I've, I've got enough time on that because if it hasn't, I'm done, you know. So anyway, off he goes. He goes, well, look, what I'm going to do... As soon as I get your passport, I'm going to run out and get in the car and I'll give you those details even if they're wrong. So anyway, gets in the car and he, he, off he goes. They get the passport, get my key, get into the house, rush off. And, and they're telling me, if this passport does not get here in half an hour, you're done. And so I'm saying, guys, you've got to do this. So off he goes. So he's driving and he's got my passport. He opens it up. He goes, well, there's a real young photo of you. And I'm thinking... I don't remember. It's the same photo as this one. He goes, yes, it's a... Man, you look really young, you know. I'm thinking, give me the date, you know. You look really, really young. And as he's reading, he goes, oh, I've got the wrong passport. It's your son's passport. <laughs> My son, Michael, I have his passport also. I'm going, you're joking. The miracle man became the disaster man right there. Off, back he went. <laughs> back he went. And uh, finally... You know, he got my passport and they're pushing me. You have got, if you've got 15 minutes left. And I'm thinking, we are done. But you know, God is a miracle working God. Just as we're about, they're about to close the gate, the plane gets delayed by half an hour. <laughs> Isn't God good? And so, man, we, we made it with plenty of time. Not only was it half an hour, it got delayed for three hours. And then I was upset. I thought to myself, you've nearly given me a heart attack. But it was such a great time. We really thank God for his goodness and his grace. I feel very humbled today to be here to see how our church has grown and the influence that God has bestowed upon us and given us a huge responsibility to represent his great message of hope truth and love and as we come into this Christmas season you know it, it, it's a shame that the season that we open our hearts and we open our hands that the world stops for a moment and you know my mother gets really upset about the Christmas season because she says this and you know, mum's got some pretty strong views, but my mother says the problem with Christmas is that we live it for only one day and then we go back to our selfish behaviour. And I really pray that something profound will happen to us. And if you're visiting here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, I pray that today something would shift in your heart to realise that this gift Jesus was given to the to mankind, not just to save us, but to give us a hope and a future. Today I want to 
share about the Christmas attitude. Uh, we're coming into this week where all sorts of attitudes seem to come out when Christmas comes out. The busyness, people get angry, people get frustrated, people get anxious, people get worried. But what is the sort of attitude we should have when it comes to Christmas? So I want to share Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 8. And it gives us a picture of Jesus. And it says this, it starts off with Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, it says this, Your attitude to life should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. This morning I, I want to talk about my father-in-law because my father-in-law reflects the attitudes of Christ. My father-in-law is a very, very humble man and is a man that reflects and since I've known him and I've been married now for 34 years and since I've known him I've seen the characteristics of Christ that have made him one of my heroes. When I think of my father-in-law, I think of a man who, who reflects God's love and who reflects his purpose. So this morning, in talking about him, I want to talk about the characteristics and the very nature of Christ. Uh, he is such an example to me and my family, and, and here's a picture of him at the, behind me. And uh, he's now 82 years old. Uh, he's such a beautiful, beautiful person. I don't know, can we put up the first photo? I, I, I don't know. If, that's, that's him when he was a young man. And uh, with uh, his wife, my mother-in-law, Jeanette. And the baby being held is Meredith. And look at the hair she's got. She's got all that hair. And if you look closely, she's still got that same look. Um, the next photo is of him. If we can have that up again. And, uh, you know, when, when Jim, when God takes Jim, there'll be great rejoicing in heaven. There'll be great loss on the earth. And could I have the next photo? And this is, this is Jim and some of the family. Not all the family could be there. But um, here's when he celebrated his 80th birthday. And uh, now my father-in-law uh, has got, he's got five children He's got 16 grandchildren and 4.5 great-grandchildren. And that 0.5 is my next grandchild. Isn't that fantastic? My son Michael is having another baby and we're so thrilled about that. But I so respect him and, you know, in a few days' time, Meredith and I will be flying out because it's a Bishop Christmas and at Christmas time, we have alternative Christmases. One Christmas, it's with Meredith's family, and the other Christmas, it's with my family. And the Bishop Christmas is amazing. When we, we fly there, we fly to Adelaide, 
then we have to drive for three uh, and a half hours to Melrose. And uh, many of you know how much I love Melrose and the drive. And, and there's a Christmas Day tradition. There's food and gifts and family. There's a huge Christmas tree in the lounge room. It's a farmhouse. My father-in-law uh, owns 1,500 acres. And it's a huge farmland and a few, huge farmhouse, and it's a huge lounge. And in this lounge in the corner is this huge Christmas tree with heaps and heaps of gifts for kids and for family and for the grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And every year on Christmas morning around, you know, 6 o'clock, all the grandkids are awake and the great-grandkids are awake, and they're busting to go and open their Christmas presents. And... Um, this is tradition. This is what happens. Everybody, uh, the older ones get woken up and they get pushed into the lounge room. Everybody tries to find a comfortable seat. There's people on the floor. It's, it's incredible. And it, already there's Christmas music playing and already there's this great atmosphere. And then my father-in-law, since I've been, uh, you know, since I've known him and since I've been adopted into the family through marriage, this is what happens. He will sit down and he, before any present is open, he'll begin to tell the story of Jesus. And this is what he does. This is what he says, that Jesus is the greatest gift given to mankind. Then he says to his grandkids and to his family that Jesus came to save the world. He says that joy, peace and love are the greatest desires of mankind and it's only through Jesus Christ that you can really truly find joy, peace and love. He then begins to tell the story uh, of Jesus and his birth and that the gifts and presents that we share and are about to share are a reminder to us all that we give because he first loved us that the gifts that we're about to share with one another is a reflection of the love of God and they should not be taken without appreciation. And then he will get everybody in the family and most of us will join hands and he will pray for us and thank God for his son, Jesus Christ. It so impacts my life every time I go there because... Something happens at that moment and it reminds us of the incredible love that God has for us and how important family is. And so this morning, let me just share with you three of his attitudes that are reflected in this passage of scripture and in Christ. The first one is that my father-in-law is such a humble man that he never, he never expects anything. You know, in the world, and if I can have this slide up, in the world today, we have an attitude of entitlement instead of humility. And how many of you have noticed that? You know, it, it seems like in this world, the more materialistic we become, the more we seem to think that we are entitled to things. We live in a society where there is such an increasing attitude of entitlement that we expect things to be done for us, things to be given to us, and special treatment and privileges. And not only do we feel entitled, but we expect it and we demand it. 
you know, one of the things that I've noticed about my father-in-law is that his humility is so reflected, not just at Christmas time, but in his life. Still to this day, he expects nothing and demands nothing. He's 82 years old and, you know, you would think on Christmas Day that he would come and say, look, now that I'm this old, I demand all of you to serve me. And he's entitled to, believe me, he has sacrificed so much for his family, but not once do I ever pick up in his spirit a spirit of entitlement. You'd think that you're in his house and he would make demands on you on how you should conduct yourself in his house, but Jim, as we all affectionately call him, has never once made us feel guilty or feel like we're, we're in his space or that we are, are, are there and he wants us to just feel comfortable and to feel loved. He's selfless. And, you know, at Christmas time, he's always concerned that everybody receives a gift. And when he receives a gift, any gift, it's, he shows so much joy and appreciation. It's like I've seen him get the smallest of gifts, and when he opens it up, and especially if one of those gifts is from one of his grandkids, he makes such a big fuss of it. And I looked at this attitude, and I think to myself... That's just like Jesus. Jesus came to this earth without any entitlement. He had every right to come and be born in a palace with servants all around him. He had every single right, but he came born in a stable, a place where animals are kept. He humbled himself as a man. And even to the point of death, made no demand on humanity. Rather, he gave his own life. I wish that I could be like that. See, I'm a shocker. Has everybody gone dark because of some reason? Is there a reason this has happened? Wow. I got scared. I thought the rapture had come and you'd all been taken. I thought, I've been left behind. (laughs) Jesus was saying, yes, you are a shocker. (laughs) I'm a shocker when I get gifts. And maybe that's because I'm the only child. I'm an only child and I do think it's all about me. Most of you know, my, I have an Italian background. My father came from a, t- a family of 10, my mother 12. They only had me. I understand that. They took one look at me and said, perfect. We don't need any more. And I've noticed that when it comes, because, you know, gifts are my love language. And I have to say this, I do have an expectation I do feel an entitlement. And I'll never forget, about 10 years ago, we were having Christmas at the bishops and we went through the whole way we do Christmas and the way Jim does Christmas and eventually what happens is after Jim's finished praying, there's a couple of people that are... they're designated to give out the gifts and, man, I was looking forward to mine. And everybody was getting big gifts. 
I was going, wow. And we had that time, you know, when your family gets bigger, you have, you know, your gifts are given by, you know, your designated families, all right? We pull a you know, name out of a hat. And this particular, you know, year, we got my, the youngest of Meredith's brothers. And he was married to, um, to a beautiful, beautiful lady. And so they particularly, she made me this gift. And so I got the gift and it was all wrapped. It was a big, quite a big box and it was heavy. I thought, you ripper. <laughs> oh, my, there's a bit of weight in this. This looks expensive. So I ripped the paper off and there was this tin. It wasn't quite what I expected. When I opened the tin, there was a fruitcake in the tin. <laughs> and I thought to myself, are you trying to give me a message? Fruit, cake, fruit, loop. I was so angry because I was offended. And I'm sitting there with this fruitcake thinking, what? the heck is this? Why would you give me a fruitcake? And I'm sitting there and I was so offended. I mean, this got under my skin. And she's looking at me like, do you like it? Do you like it? And you know when you put on, come on people, be with me, Just come on, be honest. Do you know when you're looking at people and you're grinning and everything inside is going, you got to be joking, don't you? How could you do this to me? What is wrong with you? Do you know that thing became like a claw? Really, I mean it got to me. I was offended for months. <laughs> Actually, there's still a bit of a thing there. I feel today, I feel there's a bit of a thing there. I can't work it out. And it wasn't until about six months later that we met with them. And you know how families get together and, yeah, come over for a meal. Yeah, what have we got? The menu fruitcake? <laughs> We went there and then we start talking and, you know, God sets you up. How many, how many of you have been set up by God? Who's ever been set up by God? Who hasn't yet? Well, good luck to you when that happens. That's all I'm going to say. So I get set up. And somehow the Christmas present comes into conversation. And I'm... And my sister-in-law, she is so gracious. And they'd say this to me. We were really struggling financially. We knew how much you really liked Christmas cakes and you liked fruitcakes because you kept raving on about it. And I do. I really like fruitcakes. Don't give me a fruitcake <laughs> for Christmas. Please, the soul scars will come back. we shattered. And she said, 
We just did not have a lot of money. But I just wanted to do something for you to let you know that we put effort into it. And I was broken. I just thought to myself, God, how the heck do you get to a place like this? And sometimes, folks, let me tell you, you know, we, we, we feel so entitled about things. And yet the message of Jesus Christ is that he came as a man. He came so that we would have someone that has walked our steps, has walked our life. Sometimes we feel so entitled to things. Sometimes we feel like the world owes us something. And you know, I've found this, that every time I get angry and offended, it's because something has risen up inside of me that makes me think that I'm entitled. And all I can say is this, is thank God for the grace of God. Thank God for his humility. Thank God for the humility and the spirit of Jesus Christ, who right from his birth gave us an example of how we should live. And I pray that this Christmas that something would happen to your heart, that when you do have family time and you come together and you do open up those gifts no matter what they're like and through the whole day, but not through the whole day, through your whole lifetime, that we take on the very nature of Christ that I see so strongly in my father-in-law. The second thing that I see in my father-in-law that my father-in-law does not expect to be served, but he serves. Now, I've got to admit to you, I'm, I'm, this is, must be confession day, and I think I can do it so much more easily now that my wife's not here because when she's here, man, she keeps records. It's like a recording you know, she just keeps records. But I must, I must admit, I love being served. I love it. Uh, I love going to restaurants and people serving. And, and sometimes I, I, I even get ticked off. Can I use that word here? I've come from Singapore. You're allowed to use it there. You, I get ticked off when the service isn't good. And I get so... You know, my, I, I can turn in a restaurant. I can, if the service is not good, I start picking on it. My wife says to me, can't you drop it? Because I want to be served. But there's a higher calling, and that is serving. And Jesus, when he came, his whole life, from the moment he was born, was there to serve. I see that in my father-in-law, Jim. At Christmas time, he makes sure that everyone has a seat. That everyone's got their meal. And he's usually the last person to sit down and have his meal. It says a lot to me. He'll get up if you need something. If you're sitting next to him or across, and he hears that you haven't got a fork, or you he's the first one up. He doesn't call out to somebody. He's the first one up. He helps setting up. He's now a lot older and the tables are getting a lot heavier. 
But I'm, I always can, I cannot believe that most times around setup, I'm usually gone. But not Jim, he's right in the mix. He's right there helping, making sure that people are going to be served. And he doesn't just help set up, but it's amazing after lunch how everybody seems to be busy. And off they run. And all the plates and everything has to be cleaned up. And there's Jim in the kitchen. He's either drying dishes, washing dishes, because he's there to serve. I'll never forget one day, and if I can just have the piano player just come, and I know we've got another item, but if you could just come, I'm going to finish in five minutes. Are you happy about that? (laughs) But there's Jim. I'll never forget this. This was about 15 years ago. And I saw something in my father-in-law that, man, did it impact me. And after the Christmas lunch, around two o'clock after we've all had a bit of a nap, is what you do, out come the boys and all their egos come out and we had the family cricket match on the tennis court. And the grandkids were quite small and they were not allowed to come on the field on our tennis court. They had to watch from outside behind the fence because this was serious. This was about egos. This is about separating the boys from the men. And there's particularly one of my brother-in-laws that every time we get a you know, any sort of ball in the hand, it's always competition. And he was on the other side and I'll never forget that day I bowled him, second ball. It was awesome. God was definitely on my side. And there's Jim and, you know, Jim was there because we, he had to make up the numbers. Nobody wanted Jim on their side because Jim's not good any ball but he had to make up the numbers and there he was and I could tell he was getting tired but Jim stand over here Jim Jim you missed Jim get closer he was getting tired but he's out there finally the game was over and we're all exhausted and we go in and the grandkids rush towards Jim and he's tired I could tell he was tired the sun was hot they grab him, Grandpa, Grandpa, please, please, would you come out and play with us? And I could tell on his face that he was absolutely, the rest of us was going, leave us alone, just leave us alone. But there was Jim, back on the court, back on the court, helping his grandchildren play. He was out there for another hour and a half. Because he's not there to be served, he's there to serve. Boy, do I see the character of Christ in my father-in-law. What are you going to do this Christmas? What are you going to be like around your family and friends? Here's the last point that I want to leave with you today. Jesus did not come for himself, but he came for others. There's a saying that says, a person wrapped up in himself makes a small package. Jim is known throughout the region of Melrose and the greater region to put others first. And if someone's in need, they go and see Jim. 
See, Jim's the good Samaritan of the area. He's the trusted friend. He's the one who stops and sees the Zacchaeuses of life that are up in a tree trying to get our attention. He looks for the lost sheep even when others give up. Jim will keep looking until he finds the one that's gone astray. Because Jim knows this, that the greatest gift you can give is the gift of yourself. You know, Jesus, the greatest gift that Jesus gave us was the gift of his own life. That's the greatest gift that we can give humanity today. Do you know the story of Jesus Christ is entwined with humanity? It's entwined with his salvation. It's entwined with his purpose. We were created in the image of God. We were created to have a humble spirit. We were created to serve. We were created to put others first. It's when we don't live with that attitude that life becomes striving and struggling and fighting and competitive. And friends, we see enough of that. You know, this season of Christmas, for some people, it's lonely. For some people, it's an anxious time. For some people, it's a time of conflict. Getting with family, sometimes there's unresolved issues. But I pray that for all of us that are in this room today, that all of us, that our attitude, not just on Christmas Day, but through our life, would reflect the very attitude and the very nature of Christ, which is to have humility, to serve, and to put others first. These are the greatest gifts. Please listen to me. You might think that the greatest gifts are materialistic. Let me tell you, the greatest gifts that you can give is yourself in the spirit of humility, in serving, in loving, and putting others first. Do you know, when you have that spirit, you become sensitive to others, you become sensitive in life, you stop and you look for the Zacchaeuses of life and you truly share the joy, the peace, and the love of Jesus Christ. Would you please bow your heads and pray with me? wonder this morning if you could just put your hand on your heart. I don't know what turmoil and what strife that you're having in your life. I don't know what sort of offense that you carry. I don't know what sort of hurt and pain that you carry. But let me say this, that Jesus came for you. He came for me. He came to die. He came to live. But then he came to die that we could be free. The word joy only happens, it's not like happiness, but joy is the reality of finding freedom. Freedom from sin and the pain and the hurt of life. Today, I I just wonder if you're here and maybe you're self-focused because you know what, our our problems, our hurts, and I know they, they can be many, 
and they can be true and they can be, they can be real wounds. But I just wonder today if you would just turn your attention and your focus on Jesus Christ. That today, that spirit of humility instead of entitlement. Let me tell you, sometimes the way to heal is not by being served, by serving. You know, sometimes the, the way that we actually get healed is by giving out, by serving. Father, today I pray for each one of us. As we come and we meet with family and friends at this Christmas, that the spirit and the attitude of the day will be one of reflecting your heart and your spirit. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen and amen. Thank you, Marie and Andy.
Wasn't that amazing? Why don't, why don't we all stand just for a minute and let's sing that carol together. Have a reflection upon what it is to have a Christ-like attitude this Christmas. That He came humbly, not entitled. That He came to serve and not to be served. This is who we sing about. So let's sing that again together. Oh, holy night. The stars are brightly shining It is the night of our dear Saviour's birth Thrill of hope. 
right now, if we could have everybody's eyes closed just for privacy's sake. You know, Christmas is a season of such joy and sometimes there are situations in life that can take that joy away. I don't know if there's anybody here today that may be in one of those situations in life, but I want to tell you that if you give your heart, if you give your life to Jesus, that joy will come back, that that peace will come back. And you can have an assurity knowing that God is with you. With every eye closed across this place, is there somebody here this morning that needs Jesus in their life? If that's you, just want you to give me a wave just quickly right now. And I'll be down the front after the service and I want you to come and see me. It's going to have a minute to see if there's anyone there. Awesome. Hey, what we're going to do just now, we're just going to pray to close uh, the service. Um, at Uni Hill, we are a family. And uh, we love to uh, pray for one another and, and look after our family. And there's a young lady in this church, her name's Monica. She goes overseas tomorrow to get married. So we'd just like to pray uh, with her. So if there's people around, just quickly just put your hand on her shoulder. Lord God, right now, we thank you for such a special time, Lord God, that you are a God that uh, blesses us. And we thank you, Lord God, for, for this blessing that's about to uh, come, Lord, with Monica and her partner. And Lord, we pray today that you will bless them and protect them as they travel and all those that travel with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It seems that there's a bit of trouble uh, in our neighbourhood today. Can anybody else hear that? I, 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 can, I can hear that as well. So why don't we just take our seats for a minute because potentially this could work, this could not work. That's how it rolls. So hopefully right now uh, we can understand where that uh, siren is coming from. Um, for those of you that have parents, uh, that are parents, then have parents, I hope we all have parents, but that are parents of kids, um, if you could go straight up after the service to collect them, there will be a police car parked right out the back door of church if they want to have a look in there. Uh, they'll be able to, because I believe that someone special uh, came uh, in a police car today. But I'm waiting for a nod, but I'm not seeing a nod. There's no nod. That's not the nod I was after. Oh, no, it's the nod I was after. So why don't we turn to the door and see who has arrived in a, in a police car. I can hear the sirens going. It's an elf. It's Father Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. One last carol. We just pray that you'll have a great Christmas season. Uh, please, we're here next week, 9am. We'd love to see you to celebrate Jesus' birthday together, 9am. Be blessed and have a great Christmas.